0: Welcome to the RAQA Cafe, a conversational podcast with a couple of hosts that spend each episode talking about regulatory affairs and quality assurance topics. NAMSA is happy to bring the RAQA Cafe to you, where each episode features NAMSA consultants and their experiences. Be sure to visit NAMSA at NAMSA.com for more information and access all podcasts and transcripts. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello, welcome to the RAQA Cafe, an AMSA MedTech podcast. This podcast, we're talking with Dr. Naveen Agarwal on the topic of risk management. We've broken this podcast into two parts. And the first part we previously discussed with Naveen how to develop a risk management system. For the second part, we continue the conversation with him on the topic of the responsibilities for maintaining a risk management system. Dr. Agarwal is the principal and founder of Creative Analytics Solutions and formerly worked as a senior product quality manager and principal engineer for Johnson & Johnson. Naveen is a strong voice in the risk management community and currently runs a LinkedIn discussion on the topic called Let's Talk Risk. We can't wait for you to listen to the second part of our discussion on risk management. The other thing that I wanted to talk about we're trying to talk about you know what happens after you already have your system developed and running but let's talk about how risk integrates with other systems so you know risk is really important for complaint management post market surveillance clinical follow up a topic that i've got constantly running in the background in my head is is figuring out a way to help companies make an efficient system of communicating clinical post market and risk management because it's almost this catch 22 and that they're all feeding off of each other and and sorry to pick on you Linford, but I always want I always get these regulatory people who are like um your risk management file doesn't say the exact same thing as your clinical evidence report and it doesn't say the same exact thing as your post market surveillance report and I'm like well I don't think that they should what they should be doing is showing that they are affecting each other so yes your post market surveillance report which might be the newest you know, document, shouldn't have used that word, the newest record out, you know, might have information in it that you don't see in your risk management file yet. And that's okay, as long as you can show that you're in the process of updating that risk management file with the new information, because they're all to certain degrees living and breathing. And the risk management system, I think, should be the most alive of the three and that it should be reacting constantly to new information. You don't see it, but that's what it should be, is that, you know, as, as a new risk is identified, risk management should be on top of that and figuring it, well, you know, what does it mean to the company and to the product? So I'm sorry, I'm kind of talking about the question that I asked, but I mean, you know, how do you see risk affecting other parts of, the, of an entity? Yes, Either
1: way. Did you want me to respond or lenford Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that, was,
0: that was a terrible sorry,
1: setup. I <laughs>
0: Either one. I mean, what? how do you guys see risk management affecting other parts of the business
1: units? And what's important I from it? That, I, I would say that wherever a decision is involved, this comes into play. So whether you are deciding to initiate a CAPA or not, whether you are deciding to uh, report a complaint as an adverse event or not, whether you are deciding to introduce a design change to improve safety because of or adverse events, risk comes into play. So it is whether you are selecting a new supplier, risk comes into play. Whether you're hiring a new person, risk comes into play, right? Whether you are buying new machinery. So every decision involves risk, which means that we should have a good way of understanding you know, the impact of our decisions. At a, at a you know, fundamental understanding is very, very simple how likely something is going to happen and what's the impact of that. Mm -hmm. Where we are missing the boat is not in gathering information to inform that decision. I think we have a lot of data. I think where we are missing the boat is processing that information in a meaningful way so that decisions can be made easily across the board. And unfortunately, I'm sorry to say that our heavy emphasis on documentation all across our quality processes or Different, different systems is not really helping because we just file things away and find discrepancies at most, but it's not allowing us to make good decisions. So I think to come to the, what, what, what I would like to highlight here is that let's focus on how to analyze, how to process these inputs that we have through our different processes to facilitate decision making. That should be the goal of so-called rich, what you were talking about, maintaining a risk management system. Mm-hmm. But it's not because we have to maintain a risk management file that should look absolutely perfect. You know, No spelling mistakes. All the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. No grammar mistake, right? If somebody uses the wrong font, we get upset about that because it doesn't match our template. Really, guys, is that really important for us to make safe and effective products? So can we focus on thinking about how to facilitate decision-making through these data inputs that we are gathering through our we are getting a lot of data from everywhere, right? And we are, we, are, we are just not able to do that. So I would like to invite your thoughts on that. Like, what are some of the best practices you have seen in the industry where people are thinking out of the box in maybe using AI or machine learning or other technologies, for example, to help process that, that vast amount of information?
0: Yeah, for me, one of the greatest things I've seen a client do is that they wanted to Launch an initiative to see how they can improve a product line, and the very first question they asked was, "Okay, please give me the the last complaint record or um, you know profile of this product. We want to see what are the most common hazards, what are the most common harms, and then we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about is there any way we can what we can do to further reduce this. And what well, what I was blown away it was um, the executive that approached me about this. So they said, "Look, you know, we, we say that we do AFAP." as far as possible. reduce So we reduce risk as far as possible. Let's prove it. And so they put together a meeting where then we looked at all the risks and they said, okay, here's a hazard. This might be our most common hazard, but we don't believe we can do anything to reduce that. But look at this hazard. We can probably make improvements to our product to reduce this because it's a most common cause of it is a, is a use-related issue. So at a minimum, we could probably make a better IFU. At a maximum, we could reduce the failure of that by the user by making the product you know, less complicated to use for this step. And I was like, oh, yeah, it. that is amazing. I, I almost one, said I love you,
1: it's, but. <laughs> it's a conversation mm-hmm. it's a Conversation among people who are curious enough and knowledgeable enough to engage in that conversation mm-hmm. to help make that decision, right? I think this is why I'm so passionate about treating risk as a conversation. Really, not as something that we need to study. so I think we have a lot of ex, lot of experts and a lot of expertise. Mm-hmm. I think we could do a little bit uh, more is on facilitating the conversation. So I first of all congratulate you for doing this and you know giving me this opportunity to share these thoughts with you, because it's only through conversation that we will learn, like where we could actually do good risk management and not just worry about documentation okay enough said I'm, I'm gonna pull back on that because I
2: think I, <laughs> yeah, I, that I, wonderful. i'm gonna
1: pull back no more no more
2: documentation bashing. i'm sorry as <laughs> as, as a reg person in this conversation i still love documentation really <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not gonna pull back on that one there but to your question though you asked you know what have you seen not currently, but I think towards, towards Rich's point, they have a mindset of constantly trying to improve the product, not because it's something that was been told to them based on, let's say, a, like a, like a complaint history or a complaint file or something that a competitor is doing. The team leader at the time just wants to constantly improve the product. So they were asking questions of what can we do to make it better? What have we submitted in our file? So that's the only way I've seen where we have a conversation around risk. And something that you mentioned before, every decision that you make in your company involves risk, and I think that's a good point hopefully our our listeners got that point because even if you're going to get a new supplier, right, what risks are involved with having a, a brand new supplier and that kind of trickles down right It touches everything so I hope just want to reemphasize that point that was mentioned before that every decision that you make really does involve risk. The only other question I had was trying to understand more of like the product development cycle. But there's something that you mentioned before, and I'm hopefully I get this correct, that it's not really a checkbox item or something that you check off. It's not that like you always should be doing. And I think the way how Rich and I had phrased this question was, you know, how does risk management affect QMS? And I think Dr. Levine, you said that, you know, you see the risk ma- or risk as a process and QMS actually as, as a system, right? The quality Management System. So with that said, and as we're learning in this conversation, I guess I'm going to revise that question and maybe pose it this way and say, what is an example of a good quality management system that, that you have seen where risk has been talked about is not a separate, it's not considered to be separate. Do you have an example that you could share with us or anything else that you could mention to our listeners that will help them understand what does this look like moving forward as we try to change our mindset?
1: yeah, so I think I will basically talk more in terms of the practices I have seen rather than a system because everybody seems to do things differently. So I can just mention a couple of good practices that I hope can be sort of take a key key takeaway points. The first is we need to really work on it very early on but not stop there. So that's one reason why I don't like the term preliminary in preliminary hazard analysis. I don't like the term preliminary because it seems to give the impression we do it once and we don't do it anymore. So we have to start early, beginning to talk about what it is that we have to address and make that as part of our design requirements. The earlier the better. Which means that this discussion cannot happen in on an afternoon or in a couple of sessions. But really, as part of design and development planning, I would expect a significant portion of effort being planned and allocated for that, which should involve. Mining a lot of data that you already have on similar products that you are that you have worked on, your competitors' products, or other uh, sources of literature, which means you need to involve your clinical and medical experts as early as possible. Involve your regulatory professionals as early as possible because you should have a good idea about your strategy where you will land with your intended use because everything should be determined by that, right? -hmm. And then the second. That I will emphasize is that do not move away, move away from design inputs too soon. Do not be in a rush to go start doing uh, design outputs and verifications because we have to go out of the door. Take a little bit of time to say, do we have all the design inputs that we need? Having said that, I should tell you that I think in general, we do a very good job in our industry for new product development and launch. I think we do a pretty good job. Where we are missing the boat is ongoing monitoring, and to your point. Which maintenance of this work because our best people typically move on the next big thing that's going to come in the pipeline. The maintenance part gets left behind on the shoulders of only a few who don't have full expertise. So what I advise people to do is that in the risk management plan, make sure to identify the resources you're going to need and negotiate availability of those resources throughout the life cycle. Excellent point. When I build a post-market surveillance system, I work very hard to negotiate with my top management. I must have support from R&D. I must have support from medical safety. And I must have support from manufacturing whenever I want. I won't bother them if I don't need to, but they should be available to me on demand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We were given that. Excellent, we excellent point. Because we wrote it down. So here's what I, told, I tell people, guys. I, said, I think we do a good job in launching excellent products. I'm so proud of what we are doing in the industry. But in my mind, these are like we do a couple of test flights, we have an experimental rocket, we want to take it to Mars, and we get satisfied with a few experimental kind of test launches or test flights. But we don't pay attention to when it crashes on the launch pad the next time because we have moved on to the next rocket. So I think at the end of the day, it's a mindset, it's a culture, it's a prioritization issue. And those who are practicing risk management need to just Fight like crazy to get the support they need. Because at the end of the day, if there's a recall, or if there's a safety guard, or there's a pull letter. People always ask the question, "Why did we? Why did we miss the board You were you were mentioning that before, right? Why did we do it? And then somebody gets blamed. That's not how we want to do things. Mm-hmm. So you actually use the leverage that you have to the standards and best practices, and make sure that we don't move uh, forward without we have satisfied. So I hope it answered some of of your question in terms of best practices that people can take away with, yep. but I have not yet seen kind of broad application of these kind of ideas and thoughts. But we still have a lot of way to go before we fully understand the closed loop connectivity of these processes and not treat them as separate processes.
2: Good point. No, thank you. I always like to ask the, ask the kind of question because we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, failures or things that we can improve upon. But to end on a high note of, you know, we actually are doing a, a good job at this, but there are still room for, for, for improvement. Before we go, I've come to realize that we didn't ask you the most important question. <laughs> <laughs> at the Ari Curie Cafe, uh, yeah. <laughs> we always like to ask our guests, what beverage did they have for us or to share with us today that they have brought? So, I'll go first. I have some sparkling water. So, um, it's really just flavored water. Uh, the flavor I have is orange mango. I like my tropical fruits. Um, so, that's what I brought. I'll go to you, Rich. What did you bring today?
0: Well, for, first off, I want to say I want to apologize. I was just so excited about the subject. I just launched in and completely forgot our first question. But yeah, I went with a drink that I'll never, ever try again. But uh, my wife brought home this probiotic, non fat, Strawberry milk and it's not for me. <laughs> I'll find other ways to get my probiotics. <laughs> what about you, Naveen? What are you drinking today?
1: It's pure H two O, filtered water, because I've been told to uh, watch my hydration frequency these days. Okay,
0: so
1: try to make sure I get like uh, my full hydration. But if it were morning, it would be my favorite cafe latte. Oh,
2: interesting! Interesting. Well, right. we'll end on that note again, Doctor Naveen. Thank you so much you really challenge us to think about how we talk about risk management as quality system versus, you know, a process. I really honestly learned a lot and try to even within this conversation, just try to change the way how I speak about things. I do like documentation. I'm sorry. I am going to still try to hold on to my documentation, (laughs) Um, but I really do appreciate you coming on rich. Any last words before we go?
0: I just, I, I can't thank you enough for sitting here and talking with us. Uh, for an hour on my favorite subject. Again, you know, it's these conversations that I think our industry needs to continue to have and find ways to communicate, whether it's at conferences or it's through media like this or emails, but, you know, we all make each other better and none of us has the perfect approach. And I've learned so much just from talking with you and and again, you know, just the the stuff that you're doing for our industry through your own efforts, I think are are wonderful. I think all three of us are clearly in this industry because we want to see patient safety at the crux of all product development. We want to see new therapies coming out that improve everybody's lives. And, and um, you know, hopefully we're able to share our information and knowledge with others and, and help make those opportunities happen for, for everyone. So thank you so much for your time today. I just, I, I hope this is the beginning of of a great relationship and talking about risk because you know, what better subject is there?
1: (laughs) Thank you guys. Uh, I I do want to close with uh, something that I want uh, people to be aware of because I wasn't. Uh, Did you guys know that September 17th, just this Sunday was the world patient safety day. I did not.
0: I I was, but because of one of my clients brought it up. So
1: So I became aware of it uh, through, again, the power of LinkedIn, and I have decided to dedicate my focus this week fully on talking about patient safety, learning from the best and sharing some useful resources. On that note, guys, I appreciate if you could help spread the word that I'm launching a challenge this week to help raise the voice of patients in everything we do. It's a challenge to recognize the importance of patient safety and what we can do as individuals. That challenge has been posted on my Let's Stop Risk newsletter. It is open until next Tuesday. And those who participate, I'm offering them, if they make a good contribution, annual paid membership as a complimentary gift to my premium content on the newsletter. So I hope uh, uh, people would... uh, you know, uh, spend a little bit of time thinking about patient safety and sharing their ideas and thoughts to help us all promote this message. Wonderful. Thank you
2: so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Great.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the RAQA Cafe podcast on part two of our discussion on risk management with Dr. Naveen Agarwal. Naveen was a wonderful guest and I can't wait to bring him back. For our next podcast, we'll be bringing back Matt Royal and Paul Risbro to talk about communicating with your notified bodies. If you'd like to hear more podcasts on different topics from the RAQA Cafe, please visit us at www.namsa.com and don't forget to bring your favorite drink.